Today's reading will be taken from a selection of proverbs. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisers make victory sure. The plans of the righteous are just, but the advice of the wicked is deceitful. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Do not those who plot evil go astray? But those who plan what is good find love and faithfulness. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisers they succeed. To man belongs to plan of heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. All a man's way seems innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. The Lord works out everything for His own ends, even the wicked for a day of destruction. In His heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases. All a man's way seems right to him. But the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring forth. This is God's word. Morning.、Um, that is just my little joke. Well, not really a joke. Thirty, thirty-one, thirty-four. Honour your pastor in all things, that life may go well with you. If you're very eagle-eyed, you'll notice the Book of Proverbs doesn't get as far as、uh, chapter thirty-one, verse thirty-four. I only put that down for my own amusement. And the, to make the one point, which is、uh, actually this is our last week thinking topically about the Book of Proverbs for a while, but when I gather a load of proverbs together and tell you here's a summary of the book, don't just trust me, because I might slip in one or two that are to my benefit. Okay, so、um, this is our, as I say, last look. Next week we begin the Book of、uh, Amos. We'll come back to Proverbs in、uh, in July, but when we think topically. It's worth bearing that in mind. You're a little more reliant upon the、uh, the man at the front than、uh, than is normally the case. Well, with that in place,、uh, let's let's pray together as we begin. Our Father, we continue to give thanks to you for the wisdom of your words. How、uh, nothing really is too mundane in our lives. You care about every decision we make. 
and you give us wisdom for every decision we make. So as we come to this area of uh, planning and looking into the future, would you help us to understand rightly the balance of your word on this topic? Would you make us wise as we look to your Son, the Lord Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. Now, unsurprisingly then, in a book which is about wisdom, that there's a whole number of proverbs, and this is just a selection, there are many more, but a whole number of proverbs on the subject of how to make wise decisions or decision-making. And that's good for us, isn't it? Because all of us have plans to make. No matter how trivial, I don't know how you do your shopping via internet or um, in person, weird. Um, and go, but as soon as you arrive, and I don't often go shopping, but if I do, I am bamboozled because you look at the cereals and think, well, there's 200. Now what do I do? And the jams, and there's 69 different flavors of strawberry. Now what do I do? You know, there's plenty of right. We have decisions to make in small things. And then, of course, the more significant things. Which job do I take? More significant. Which car do I buy? Which house do we move to? All these things. A little more significant. So it's good that the book of Proverbs has much to say. Uh, but before we jump in and look at some of the detail, let me just throw out the fact that straight away we have to deal with the paradox of planning. And many of these little one-liners will emphasize this point. So chapter 16, verse 9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his step. So there's balance there, isn't there? A man or a woman will plan his course, have daydreams, ambitions. He'll design what he'll do or she'll do, but the Lord decrees what will happen. Steps. Uh, 16 verse 9. It's actually singular. I don't know why it gets translated as a plural here. The Lord determines his step, the sense, therefore, of everything. The whole path is determined by the Lord. Man plans, the Lord determines. Or similarly, chapter 16, verse 33, I, I guess, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. The Lord determined what numbers came up in the lottery last night. This is not an encouragement for Christians to make decisions this way. I need my lucky ten pence and I'll flick it every time and, you know, the Lord will decide if it lands on heads or tails. It's not encouragement of that at all. The last time in the Bible you see anyone casting lots is just before the Spirit comes down on Pent- in Pent- at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. God has given us brains and his Spirit, if you're a believer, to make decisions. That's how you make decisions, thinking them through, not through the roll of a dice. But even as we take decisions, the Lord determines. Or again, just chapter 21, verse 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Again, you see the balance. War is coming. War is coming. Should we get ready? No. Put the kettle on. The Lord will sort it out. No, you've got to make plans. Get your armaments ready. Prepare your troops. Deploy them wisely. Get your horse ready for the day of battle. But when all is said and done, the Lord determines victory. Rests with him. So these two truths have got to be held together as we think about making decisions. This is probably familiar if you've been a Christian a while. Two truths. The book of Proverbs says make plans. Make plans. Don't be passive Go for it. Go for it. Daydream, 
envisage, strategize, make plans. You must do that. But at the same time, you are not ultimately in control of your future. The Lord is. And that's good news, as I think we'll see. The two sort of most acute ways you can uh, get this wrong, I guess. The first would be a complete failure to plan. So you sit on this side of the fence. The Lord is control of, of everything, therefore don't plan. And that can manifest in different ways. It can be, I don't know what you'd call it, a sort of hyper-reformed sort of fashion. You know, the story of uh, William Carey, the, uh, the first great missionary of this country, really, uh, planning to go to India. I'm going to go to India. And he told the elders of his church. And one of the elders said to him, young man, if the Lord wants to convert the heathen, he shall do so and does not need your help. Which would have been a shame because William Carey went to India and all sorts of wonderful things uh, took place when he did. Now, that's a, that's a foolish way of understanding God's sovereignty. Proverbs would say, make plans. Don't just sit there and do nothing and wait for God to do everything. Or similarly, on this sort of side of the fence, uh, a sort of hyper-Pentecostal way of doing things. So, you know, there's a sort of spoof article that goes a bit like this, headline, Man dies aged 88 while waiting for God to reveal his will to him. Sadly, Edwin Cooper died uh, yesterday, having waited for 70 years for God to tell him what to do as an adult. His neighbor commented, Edwin sat at home for the last 70 years. Every so often, Edwin thought that God had given him a picture, given him an idea, but he was never confident, and so he did nothing. Sadly, 70 years of sitting in his lounge waiting for the Lord to tell him what to do. That's not true. But um, sometimes, you know, that's sort of, I'm just going to sit here until the Lord will will make it clear. I'll just sit here and the Lord will make it evident to me. How about have a go at something and see what happens? So that's sort of falling off the horse one side. You're just um, never planning because the Lord doesn't, he'll do it all. The other side of things is to obsessively plan. I can control everything. What have you got there? It's my 70-year plan for the rest of my life. You know, this will happen and this will happen and this will happen and this will happen. It's got the master plan. You can't do that. The Lord controls your future. Somewhat ironically, I had something through uh, from the Church of England uh, pensions people uh, the other month, and um, it was about what happens when I retire, age 97, the way things are going, because the pension scheme is bust. Um, But uh, it had this wonderful glossy leaflet, the future is in your hands. And you think, oh, come on, someone should know better than that. To write to a bunch of vicars who really should know that the future is in God's hands. A brochure, the future is in your hands. There's some sort of pathetic irony there, isn't there? No, no, no. And what a relief it isn't. It's not all in my hands. That's fairly crippling if you think every part of the future is in your hands. So you don't want to fall off the horse on either side. Make plans, but trust the Lord and his purposes at the same time. I'd want to base ourselves really in just three or four verses. I mean, we will dot around. But chapter 16 is a fairly dense passage on this uh, whole chapter on this whole topic. Um, Really, just chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. But we will dot around a little bit more. So three things. Three things. Let's look at them in turn. Plan thoroughly. Question your motives. Rest upon the Lord. Okay? Plan thoroughly. Question your motives. Rest upon the Lord. Chapter 16, verse 1. 
plan thoroughly. To a man, or to man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Plans, chapter 16, verse 1. That is quite a deliberate word. Not talking about blue sky thinking. Let's just blue sky for a moment. Let's just go, you know, not half-baked ideas, but very deliberate planning. So the, the idea there, plans, yeah, when used as a verb, it's used for the setting of troops in a battle. In uh, Genesis 14:8, you set your troops up and carefully plan them for a war. Or it's um, preparing a legal case in Job. Prepare your case. Plan your legal case. And those sort of things you put a lot of effort into, don't you? You know, sometimes you see the barristers trundling to court with their massive trolleys full of documents that they've spent the last year preparing their case. They've put a lot of thought into it. An enormous amount of labor. And a document exchange. These things fly back and forth. A lot of planning goes into that. Or the British military, before they go to battle, they're running battle games all the time, both on computer and um, out in Canada, for some reason. That's where we do most of them. Um, out in Canada, you know, just what would happen and if, if we did this and they did that and what would take... Just running it all through the whole time. Plans. Deliberate, thought-through plans. So, yeah, work hard at your plans, says the book of Proverbs. So two things that flow out of that. One would be think hard. Just think hard. So chapter 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Just how it is. Generally, thought-through plans go better than half-baked ones. It's common sense, really, isn't it? Or 24, 27. Finish your outdoor work and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. But that's a little less obvious, I think. Uh, having your fields grow crops, good thing. Having somewhere to sleep, good thing. But there is a priority here, according to the book, because the, uh, the outdoor work, the fields in an agrarian economy, that's your income. You can both eat your crops and sell your crops. Houses tend to suck income from you. So essentially, I think this is basically saying, make money before you spend money. Just think about that. That's the way you want to operate, says the book of Proverbs, when you're making plans. So fairly obvious things, I guess. Think hard about what you're doing. But then uh, one of the most common um, bits of uh, advice or, or, or one of the most common themes for Proverbs is this. Just seek advice from many. Seek advice from many different people. I've only put a handful here. There are many that would make the same point. But do notice the emphasis on how many advisors it's good to have. So chapter 11, verse 14. For lack of guidance, a nation falls, but many advisors make victory sure. Or 1522, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Obvious point. You've got a decision to make, a significant decision. Ask lots of people. Ask a variety of people. If you're Mr. Cautious... Go and have a conversation with Mr. Risk-Taker, Monsieur Risqué. Go and ask him because, you know, have an interesting perspective and, and, and vice versa. Know your temperament and just go to someone who's different to you to get their advice. A variety of ages is also helpful. The classic case of 
Um, Solomon dies in the Old Testament, great King Solomon, wonderful kingdom, his son, Rehoboam, young, told precisely how age, but he's a young man, and uh, uh, the people come to Rehoboam and say, do you know what, we're working too hard. Your dad is a slave driver, or was a slave driver. You just need to ease off on us a little bit, or, or there'll be trouble. And so Rehoboam asks his father's counselors, the old men, the elders, what do you think? Yeah, the people are probably right, you know. You are working them too hard. Mm. Then Rehoboam asks his mates, his peers, the 20-somethings, what do you think? Stuff them. Stuff them. Go on. Squeeze them harder. Get more out of them. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. I'm just going to run with my mates, my peers. He does that, and the kingdom is split in two. Disaster. There's revolution, rebellion. He loses his kingdom, or the majority of it. And the just take counsel from older people who've seen life. Yes, I've seen that scenario before. Just be wise. Many counselors are what you want. Many and varied. 2018, similar point again. Make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. No, not many of us. Are you going to wage war this week? Yeah, I think I'll have a war. Not many of us are doing that. Of course, the context is this, this is advice to the king. But even more so, I guess the point is, if the fate of others rests upon your decisions, if the fate of your family, your community, your country rests upon your decisions, oh, for goodness sake, take advice from others. Because your decisions will affect many people. You want advisors. Seek advice. Okay. So chapter 16, verse 1, in one sense, quite, plan thoroughly. Plan thoroughly. Go about your planning in detail. Okay, obvious. 16 verse 2, let's put it this way. Question your motives in what you're doing. Chapter 16 verse 2. All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Now, uh, when it comes to making plans, it's important to know, of course, what our goals are, what our ambitions are. Because when you make plans, you're always trying to achieve some sort of goal. That's an obvious point. Well, let, let's plan a holiday. Okay, what do you want from your holiday? I want disco, disco, disco every night. Well, you'll plan a certain sort of holiday to get that. I want peace and quiet around a swimming pool. You'll plan a different, you know, what is your goal? And you'll plan towards that. It's obvious. But then, what do you desire? You need to know that. What, when it comes to the job I'm going to choose, what really do I desire? A certain level of income, a certain type of family life, a certain, you need to, as far as you're able, be very clear what it is in order to make plans towards an end. And given that, well, remember these two things. First, the heart is complicated. So chapter 12, verse 15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool seems right to him. All of us are capable of persuading ourselves that we're making a good decision when it's not. We can all do that. At the flippant level, you go out, you buy a shirt, you put it on, you think, I look good in this shirt. You go home and you're told, 
that is ridiculous. Take that thing back, you look a complete clown. We can all make that sort of, you know, I know I thought I looked good. What do you think? No. What do you think? No. What do you think? No. Um, you know, sometimes we can all delude ourselves we're making a good decision. Most will have had the experience of being asked, why on earth did you do that? Answer, it seemed a good idea at the time. We all make those sort of decisions. So um, the way of a fool seems right to him. I very much enjoyed, a few years ago, I read a comment of Rudyard Kipling's. I thought this was wonderfully true. It is an unfailing law of human nature that everyone, with no exception, no matter how wise or logical, is completely mad on one issue in their life. Now, that is true, isn't it? You meet people who are brilliant, shrewd, uh, so sensible, such a source of advice, and there's just one thing, whatever it is, climate change, the EU, French cheese, popular music, there's just something in their life that you get onto that topic, and all of a sudden, they, they go, they're just completely delusional and go insane and just unbalanced and unhinged and ride their hobby horses. Now, we're all capable of doing that. We all have that thing. If you don't know what your thing is, ask someone. They'll have noticed. I know they don't. Just be aware. You, you can deceive yourself, delude yourself. And sometimes it really matters. So chapter 16, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Some patterns of self-delusion are very serious. There is no God. That's the most serious mistake you can possibly make. If there is a God, he'll accept me. I'm a nice bloke. That is a very serious mistake. Christians, people in a Christian church, I mean, the New Testament full of warnings. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked by your behavior. Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 6, don't be deceived. If you're in unrepentant sexual sin, you're not a, you're not a believer. You can't call yourself a believer. You won't inherit the kingdom of God unless you repent of that. Don't be deceived. It's very, very possible for that to happen. So when it comes to decision-making, you can fool yourself. So you need to question your motives. Ask others what they think. And crucially, in the whole realm of motives, then second little thing here, pursue righteousness. It's always a sensible thing to do. But pursue righteousness. Just look down at uh, chapter 21, that little block there. Chapter 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course, wherever he pleases. Wonderful. No matter who's in charge, the Lord can direct them so they bless their country. Okay. Verse 2, all a man's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. Again, the Lord knows motives. So what are we to do? Chapter 21, verse 3, well, do what is right and just. That's more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. I don't know what to do here. I'm not entirely sure what my own motives are for the, in this decision-making. Just pursue righteousness. That's always the right thing to do. If you're uncertain what to do, and you've got two choices, pursue righteousness, always, unfailingly. That's the Lord cares about that enormously, growing like Christ, bringing, that brings glory to the Lord. It's undoubtedly his will for your life. So you can ask sort of questions, Lord, what job should I take here? Is it A or is it B? And his answer is, shh, 
oh, there's no obvious answer. Or, look, um, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm in a quandary. Do, do I ask her to marry him? Do I, do, I say, uh, do I say yes to him? And there's no light from the sky or writing in your appearing upon your wall. Should we invest our money here or there? And rightly understood, it matters a whole lot less than whether you pursue righteousness or not. We can wind ourselves up and get into really an anxious state over a decision-making. And if we're able to step back, the Lord would say, do you know what, it doesn't matter that much. That car or that car, I don't really mind. Just pursue righteousness. That house or that house, well, look, there are wiser reasons maybe for but I don't really mind. As long as your concern is to pursue righteousness, whatever you end up deciding, it doesn't matter so much. So, this is over-flippant to say, I think we want to hear the Lord saying, chill out a little bit. That isn't really flippant and trivial. Pursue righteousness. Seek his kingdom first. And then, if you've got that clear as your goal, the decisions you make are less important than perhaps we think sometimes. Question, plan thoroughly, question your motives. With those two in place, uh, let's dwell a little bit more on this one. Rest upon the Lord. Thirdly, chapter 16, verse 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. Given chapter 16, verse 1, the Lord owns the future. Given chapter 16, verse 2, the Lord knows our motives. What are we to do? Verse 3. Just commit everything to him. Commit. It's not a magical formula, chapter 16, verse 3. I mean, it looks wonderful, doesn't it? If I pray about something, it'll go well, it'll succeed. It's not not saying that. Look down at verse 4. There's reality. The Lord works out everything for his own ends, even the wicked for a day of destruction. The wicked may be successful for a while, for 10 years, 20 years, for a lifetime. Their lives may go well, but ultimately, trusting in the Lord brings success. You see, what he's saying in verse 3 is the person who commits their plans to the Lord will have a success that outlasts the temporary triumphs that wicked may have in this world. So commit. Commit everything to him. Literally, roll upon the Lord your plans. The picture is in a garden, probably not your garden, none of his own gardens really, but in, your, in a garden there's a massive boulder and you roll it into place. It's not a boulder you want to move too often. You roll it into place and say, there, I'm just leaving it there. It's too exhausting to keep moving this thing. I'm leaving it there. Roll your plans onto the Lord. The best summary I think I heard, uh, read rather, Bruce Waltke's excellent little commentary on the, on the book of Proverbs put it this way. The Christian is one who makes plans but does not worry or fret about their effectiveness, does not even worry about the purity of their motives. The Christian knows that their achievements and assessment depend upon God and not the doer. And that is a liberating truth. The Christian makes plans, but doesn't, 
isn't paralyzed with anxiety about effectiveness or even the purity of our motives, because they're never perfectly pure, but trusts the Lord. So briefly, two little things. Don't boast. Don't boast about what you can do. So chapter 27, verse 1, do not boast about tomorrow. You do not, day, you do, excuse me, you do not know what a day may bring forth. That's very blunt, isn't it? Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, do not boast about your five-year plan. Do not boast about what you'll do next year. It doesn't say that. Do not boast about what you may do next month. It doesn't say that. Do not boast about what you're going to do next Sunday. It doesn't say that. It says, don't boast about tomorrow. But tomorrow is so close. Surely I can decide what's going to happen tomorrow. Okay, leaving aside five years. I know I don't need to know ten years into the future, but tomorrow, at least I can control tomorrow. Don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know. You don't know what will bring forth. Your house could flood tonight. You could die tonight, he said cheerfully. You don't know. So don't boast. Tomorrow I'm going to, maybe, if the Lord wills it, don't boast. So the wise person does not speak as if they have control of their destiny. Or the flip side of boasting, which is anxiety. They're just two sides of the same coin. If, you th- if things are going well, look what I've done. I'm a super, I'm repressive. If things go badly, I must work hard, I must work hard, I must work hard, because it all rests upon me. The flip side of boasting is anxiety. So don't boast about tomorrow, and simply don't try and lock down every detail of your life because you cannot it'll drive you insane this probably won't work but um, the, 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 um, Sarah Connor from the Terminator films this isn't going to work I know but um, do you, if you've seen them and probably more have than are willing to admit it if you've seen those films the first film she's a sort of carefree 20 something goes out at night I mean, she's just a young person who has no cares in the world by the time of the second film she's a nut job She's locked up in an asylum. Why? Because she thinks the fate of the world rests upon her. If you think the fate of the world rests upon you, that's quite a pressure to bear. That'll drive you insane. On a much smaller scale, if you think that everything in your life rests upon you, it's too much. You can't bear it. We're not meant to. We're meant to trust the Lord. So the wise person lives day by day, trusting to God for the future, making plans for the future, but goes to bed saying, tomorrow is in the Lord's hands. Today he gave me enough, and today he kept me and my family safe and healthy, and I trust him for tomorrow, and who knows what it can bring. But you can't lock it all down. You'll never be able to do that. So don't boast, but crack on with confidence. That's not a very biblical phrase, is it? That's terrible. But anyway, crack on with confidence. Chapter 19 and 20. 20. So chapter 19, verse 20 is a summary, really. Listen to advice and accept instruction. In the end, you'll be wise. You become more wise over time if you do those things. And so chapter, 20, uh, sorry, chapter 19, 21. Many of the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Try and grow in wisdom but trust the purposes of the Lord. There's a very real sense that decision-making for the Christian is like rock climbing. My experience is limited, mainly to indoor walls, if I'm honest. But you know how it works. You're strapped into the harness, and there's a rope, and you climb, and you climb, and you think, am I going to get that next handhold? 
hmm, I don't know, but I'll go for it. And because you're strapped in, you go for it. Come on, and so you, you go, and you fall short, and what happens? And if you don't make it, what happens? Let's be realistic. Your pride is hurt, and physically, ooh, that's not so comfortable. No one likes that moment if you've done the thing. Doesn't, it's not nice. And that's life, isn't it? So you've got a decision to make. Do I do this? I don't know. Will it work? I don't know. Oh, go for it. Fine. And it, Okay, your pride gets hurt if a scheme goes wrong. There may be damage, but you're not dead. The world hasn't ended. You're just swinging a little bit. You know, give it a couple of minutes and you're back on the wall and you'll have another go. And that's life, if we understand this rightly. Proverbs says, make plans, have a go. You can be ambitious, and if it goes wrong, well, what's the worst that can happen? You lose your pride. Yes, there'll be damage, but you're not dead. And you have another go, a few minutes later, a couple of years later, whatever it may be. So if we get this right, this paradox of planning, it liberates, it liberates from regret. I took a decision then, it didn't go too well. Oh well, the Lord knows. I've not fallen outside of his plans for my life. I'll have another go. He probably needed to teach me something. See, it liberates from regret. It liberates from indecision. What do I do? Oh, it doesn't matter that much. Someone asked me this week, how did you know that it was the right thing to leave school teaching and become a minister? I didn't. I didn't know that was the right thing to do. Seemed a good idea at the time. You know, I took counsel, you pray about it, you ask a variety of people, all these things we've spoken about. How do you know? You don't know. You've just got to go for it, haven't you? And if you fall, you get caught, you don't die. What's the worst that can happen? It liberates from regret, it liberates from indecision. And ultimately, of course, the Christian is one who says, my life is in the hands of Jesus Christ. I trust him for my past. I trust him for my future. I entrust him because I know I've made terrible decisions, immoral decisions, sinful decisions. But he never did. He lived a perfect life, perfectly righteous decision-making. And he died a death for my immoral decision-making. So I don't need to look back with regret. I lament my sin, but I know it's paid for. So he controls my past and he controls my future. I know that not only did he die for me, but he rose. And I rose with him. And so no matter how many times I fall off the wall, fall off the cliff face in this life, eventually I'll be with him in glory. I may be dangling for a while. I may be hurting for a while. My pride may be severely damaged for a while. But ultimately I'll be with him. He controls my past. He controls my future. So right now, I'll have a go. I don't know what the right thing is, but I'll try, I'll plan, and I'll trust. Sounds simple, doesn't it? It's faith. It's faith. Let's pray together. Our Father, you know well the decisions um, in this room that are imminent. 
you know, decisions in this room that have been made that people perhaps regret and uh, fear they've made terrible mistakes, would we be able to trust in you? Would we recognize that the most important decision we ever make in this life is trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? And if we get that decision right and we grow in our trust in him, then we can worry less. We can be ambitious. We can be brave in our decision-making while recognizing that our future is in your hands. Help us to get that balance right, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.